Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, it's a very special episode. It's the live episode we just did that I've been promoting for the last couple of weeks. We did it in Glendale, California at the Look Dine-In Cinema. It was sponsored by Cinema Week, and we had an amazing lineup of guests we had Raul Nevado and Colby Mack from Minorities Report and Rosa Parra from Latinx Lens. And it was such a fun time. Uh, we watched the movie, see how they run with a nice crowd of people who all came out for a free screening. And then we talked in front of them and had a great conversation, lots of great puzzle pieces, got into a lot of what we liked about the movie, some of the things that don't work about the movie, everything about the movie. You know, we, we do what we do here on the show and we had a really great time. Thank you to uh, these awesome guests. Thank you to everyone who put this thing together and to everyone who showed up for the screening. So that is coming up here in a second. Before we get to it, I want to make sure that you know we are on all the major podcast apps. So wherever you're listening, make sure you're subscribed. Uh, follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join in on the conversation in our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And uh, other than that, I just want to thank you all for listening, for making this show continue to happen, and uh, let's talk about See How They Run. I'm David Rosen, the host of Piecing It Together podcast. I've got with me, I want to introduce my guests first, because I'm just so happy to have this lineup of guests. So uh, <laughs> let's just go left to right here. We got Rosa Parra from Latinx Lens. Rosa, thank you so much for being here. No problem. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> Absolutely. This is exciting. Um, you know, I'm going to ask each of you before we, because I'm going to explain the show to you guys, because most of you have never heard the show before, but we're going to talk about the film's possible influences, inspirations. Before we get to it, though, Rosa, what do you think about the movie? I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a good time with it. Um, I, I was very much entertained by um the characters, the dynamic duo of, of, of Sam Rockwell and Sarsha Ronan was pretty fun um, to watch. But yeah, overall, I had a good time. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, next up is Raul Nevado from Minorities Report. Raul, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is great. Absolutely. What do you think of the movie? You know, I feel like the second time I enjoyed it a lot more. This happens to be my second viewing. Uh, and... I, I think the first half is stronger than the second half, but I think overall, I think the, the movie is just a lot of fun, great laughs, and for some reason, knowing that the laughs are coming made them funnier to me. 
I agree. The second time. Yeah. I, I saw it earlier this week too with like one other person in the theater and it did not play as well as tonight. Yeah. So I agree. yeah, it's definitely great to see it with the crowd for sure. So uh Colby Mack is our third guest, also from Minorities Report. Colby, how's it going, man? Yo, 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 what up? <laughs> so happy to have you here. Uh, what'd you think of the movie? Yeah, so this is like the 27th film in my top 10. I thought you were going to say the 27th time you saw it. <laughs> no, no, it's not the 27th time I've seen it, but like my top 10 has gotten bigger. Um, it, it's somewhere like in the high 20s. Um, I, I'm one over again. Like Sir Sharona doesn't miss uh, Sam Rockwell. I swear, I feel like there was a part of his career that was just like, eh. and then this last like, I don't know, 10 years, I'm like, ah. This guy's actually really good. It's post Oscar, is what it is. It's, it's got to be, you know. Right? Like I, everything uh, since Three Billboards, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I get it now, right? Yeah. No, this movie's fun, and it it it's it's a commentary on the genre without having to lean too much into being a spoof movie. Sure. While at the same time being a movie that can stand on its own, also poking holes at itself. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Um, it's. I mean, there's a lot of layers to it. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. You know? So it's definitely it's. A, it's it's an onion. I'm not gonna call it a glass one. Oh, um, oh. Speaking of which, okay, way, way to go. I love it. Um, so again, this this show, piecing it together, it's about what movies inspired other movies. When a whodunit movie comes out in 2022, it's hard not to think about Knives Out. I'm sure some of you in the audience might think, oh, I bet they're gonna bring up Knives Out as a movie that might have inspired this. Um, I'm taking it off the table in order to explain the show to you guys. So mm. no knives out for our, our uh, puzzle pieces here. But certainly, um, I, I, think, I think when you get a star-studded cast like this, a movie that's so knowingly playing with the format of a whodunit, of a murder mystery, it kinda, it, that's got to come to mind, I think. So absolutely, we've got Glass Onion coming later this year. I'm sure... Some of the puzzle pieces we talk about today might apply to that movie as well when it comes out. But um, I, I think most people love Knives Out. And I think people that watch these movies uh, really love them. I mean, it's such a fun genre because you get together so many, so many different people, so many actors. Uh, you, you get like a fun little mystery that keeps you guessing from beginning to end. And this is squarely in that. Like, like Colby was saying, it, it kind of veers towards parody in a way but at the same time it stands yeah. on its own it is just another murder mystery of this particular modern era but um with that said let's start getting into some puzzle pieces uh rosa let's start with yeah. you what do you have for your first one yeah so my first puzzle piece is knives out <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I, I think that the first thing that came to me, uh, especially in the third act, was um, Clue from 1985. Um, I sure. think, yeah, yeah, it was just like so many similar um, shots and having all the suspects in the same mansion and having all these shots with everybody um, standing there. And it, it's just like an homage yeah. uh to to that film and i i couldn't help but i i actually rewatched clue today just to make sure i was gonna put <laughs> it in my thing and i even saw some resemblances in terms of even the visually some of the characters were like visually mm. dressed kind of similar to sure. the cast of clue and yeah so yeah that's my my first puzzle piece clue because yeah. i mean 
It's fine. Yeah, it, it, it 100% belongs in here. Yeah. But everything Agatha Christie and everything murder mystery and whodunit and all of it, 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 it is the blueprint kind of yeah. in a way. And they even have the joke earlier in the movie where they say about, uh, you know, maybe it's all of them, you know, which, yeah. you know, call back there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of clue in here. You guys fans of clue over there? How can you not be? John Landis wrote one of the funniest scripts ever. Sure. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's great. And I feel like there's little Easter eggs, especially in the first act where it's like, oh, we clearly see deliberate shots of the, a letter opener, a wrench, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm surprised like nobody saw like there wasn't like a club. Like what's the classic weapons that are inside of clue? Uh, yeah. Candlestick? Can, I didn't see a yeah. candlestick, right? Yeah. Like it should have been really blatant. Like, um, I, I guess like, uh, what, what's, uh, oh my goodness, Tim, uh, the, oh, David Oyelowo's, I guess nephew is what we'll call him. Sure. sure. Uh, like I could have <laughs> swore like, oh, he's a candle maker. It's like, I don't know, whatever, mm. like asinine thing they're going to give him. Yeah. Um, mm. But like, yeah, like it's so much clue like riddled throughout of it. Um, it would have been great if there was like a, a photo somewhere of like Tim Curry. You know? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there's plenty of classic Hollywood in there, but like yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's in there somewhere on our third or fourth viewing. Mm. You catch like even more of those mm. kind of things in there. So yeah. for sure. I got to say, I, I've never seen Clue. Okay. I, I haven't seen it in many, many years. I was mm. actually thinking about re revisiting it for this particular episode, but I'll revisit it for Glass Onion or one of the many other, you know, yeah. <laughs> ones of these movies yeah. that are on it's the coming, way. I'm so. sure it's on the list to be remade in like two years. So. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's coming. It's coming. Uh, yeah. Well, Ro, what do you have for your first one? Yeah, so my first puzzle piece is has a lot to do with the style of the film, and that is Jojo Rabbit. Okay. I feel like Ooh. Jojo Rabbit this film reminds me so much the dialogue, the way the banter happens, the way the conversation happens between characters, and also the way they're taking these dark subjects and twisting them sure. into being comedic. And then on top of that, like you said, a spoof. It's a parody. Yeah. Jojo Rabbit mm -hmm. very much feels like a spoof of the Holocaust, which is yeah. just crazy, but somehow he made it work, and it's incredible, and it's hilarious. And of course, I can't, like, Every time I think of it, it makes me laugh. And that is the whole like constable, inspector, inspector, <laughs> commissioner. It makes me think of the scene in Jojo Rabbit when they're like, Hell Hitler? Hell Hitler? Hell Hitler? <laughs> and it's just like you got all these people in the room, they all have to do it. And it is hilarious. It's hilarious in this film. It's hilarious in Jojo Rabbit. And I just all the way I was thinking Jojo Rabbit in this movie. That's cool. I, I like that. Yeah, that that one one of uh my upcoming pieces, uh kind of goes back to that same kind of a vibe. So I, I, I completely see where you're coming from with that. And yeah, that, that whole commissioner inspector, that stuff, yeah. that's some of the funniest stuff in the movie, I think. <laughs> they deliver it so well. And they do it more than once and it works. Yeah. Every time. Every time it's well, a great callback. I, call I think that. that this film really understands like the formula of what makes a good comedic movie work, right? Like it is formal. It is a simple science and like in the rules of three and how you'd be able to do it. So they don't overplay the joke, which is great. Like it's super smart and it's very aware of what it's trying to do. And I think aesthetically, like what you're pointing to, like with Jojo Rabbit, it's weird. You almost expect this film, because it's made in 2022, to have its gloss to it. Mm. And they made sure to be able to shoot on film, which it looks like. And it's very grainy, specific because this movie is about being in the 1950s. Um, and the fact that, you know, you have Jojo Rabbit taking place during the world, you know, the mm. World War. And stuff like that. So it's just, um, it's really interesting that they were able to kind of keep that. So, great piece. Yeah, absolutely. You got some work, though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Kobe, what do you got first? Oh, man, I actually have a 2022 film. That granted, could this have inspired it? No, but it's Agatha Christie, and it has like this huge ensemble cast, mm -hmm. and has one of like the greatest detectives of all time. And Hercule, ah, 
crow <laughs> in Death on the Nile. Yeah. Um, like I said, while I didn't say murder on the Orient Express, mm. it's that Death on the Nile. Yeah, I could have. I could have, right? <laughs> it's a story that moves. And yeah. we still have this whodunit story that while you thought it could have been constricted kind of like with flu in the one setting, you could have had the entire mystery and film unfold at the theater in that one night, right? Yeah. Which does kind of raise the stakes because it makes what you were speaking of not every, like, you know, we don't know who could be the suspect, but everybody could be a victim. You almost expect there to be more bodies to fall, but with uh, Death on the Nile, you kind of still have the story progressing as they're going on this trip, and slowly everything's kind of uncovering. And it's cool to hear it's very blatant that you see uh, all of the mysteries to everybody. Everybody has a reason to be the killer. Everybody justifiably hates the person that we're all supposed to hate, sure. which is great. You know, I mean, so shout out to like Adrian Brody for like being just a despicable, you know, <laughs> New Yorker, right? Um, I'm the opposite. I'm the charismatic asshole New Yorker. So, you know, it, it, it was nice to kind of have that juxtaposition. But like specifically with Hercule Poirot's character and Sam Rockwell's character, kind of like what was pointed to in the beginning of the first act, you have our protagonist that is offbeat, a bit aloof, but that's what makes him really great at his job. Because he has this disconnect to people, he pays amazing attention to detail. And the way that he reads people is just so fun because you don't get a chance to see people. I'll tell you right now, if cops today were more like, you know, uh, Stop Hard, what a name, right? Or like <laughs> Hercule Poirot, I think that law enforcement would be a lot more respected and a bit more cooler. Or if they just have less creepy mustaches and mm. more inventive and cool mustaches. Yeah, yeah. The cool mustaches could go a long way. <laughs> I've so. been trying. It just doesn't work. It gets stuck on the side and does nothing at the top. So. <laughs> Well, what you got going on is it's it's working. Oh, well. it's pretty glorious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it though. Uh yeah, I mean, again, those speaking, uh, you know, back to knives out. I mean, we're in this uh, it's not a golden era because the golden era was back in the day, yeah. but we're in this total renaissance right now of like new ones that include both of those mm -hmm. uh Hercules ones, but then knives out, this uh you know, I would I would even say like not really a who done it, but like a really good uh, companion piece, like a double feature with this Confess Fletch, which came out last week, which is great. But I swear. like these comedy Ooh. mystery type yeah. things, you know, I, I I had no idea what it was. And it came yeah. out of nowhere because, of course, no streamer knows how to properly market a movie no. at yeah. all. Yeah. Right. Shout out to why we need to watch movies in the theaters, because at least they do a good job of getting us there. Yeah. I had no idea. Like, oh, there's this movie that I heard. It's like it's pretty fun. So I'll get to it. Not tonight. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> highly recommended yeah i'll move on to my first piece uh which is the first one that came to mind for me because of all of the uh meta elements including agatha christie actually being a character and all that and all of the characters being so well versed so well versed in fact in whodunits and murder mysteries that they're actually starring in one a lot of the characters yeah. um i'm going with wes craven's new nightmare which Ooh. may seem a little out of left field, but I mean, no. you know, the characters are on the set of a new uh, Man Elm Street movie. Yeah, a movie within a movie, and they're they're all so well aware of what that could mean, what could happen in that kind of movie, and that that's going to possibly happen to them now. And then, like I said, you eventually get Wes Craven involved mm -hmm. in the action. Mm -hmm. You you get um you know Agatha Christie here. Uh, th there's so many layers of of all that. Who done it's in the movie the the eventual you know of course spoiler alert for anyone listening at home that didn't just sit and watch the movie but uh the eventual reveal of who the killer was you know it was actually based on his story and so it's like another layer of uh meta on top of meta on top of meta and new nightmare is like 
one of the best when it comes to like just just really taking uh, something that we all know and love and just throwing a, a layer underneath it and a layer underneath it and just keeping on going like that. It's definitely one of the greatest horror movie reinventions with probably yeah. one of the poorest reinventions of a character design. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It was it was a growing pains moment. It I was. Think. It yeah. was. But I mean, you got a shout out like that. I. That, that's an excellent piece. I, I would not have thought about it, but the metadata like you're talking about is so apparent. Like it's, it's crazy. Like, I feel like, you know, with Dennis in this film, it's, and it's funny. Cause like, you know, cop and whatever Adrian Brody says like, you know, Oh, we're going to make the villain. Like be like, who does that? Like it goes against convention, but it's also worked for what it's trying to do. And it's like, he didn't know who Agatha Christie was. And I feel like there was this air of mystery to who she is. I had no idea yeah. what Agatha Christie looks like. Sure. And I swear since I was a child, I thought that Agatha Christie was Angela Lansbury. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't. I, probably until like 2010, I had no idea that that was not the same person. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's the, the one who did Murder. She wrote. She wrote all the movies too. Sure, and it's Angela Lansbury because Angela. She's been around forever. Right? Yeah. So, but I realized yeah. it was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's a good characterization though of of that same do kind you know of that, a do you know old who that woman. Actress was in the movie. No. Think about it, Harry Potter fans. It's Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> Agatha Christie. Uh, it was great. I, I it like it. Like she was great. Her voice was fantastic. It yeah. Is. It, it just brought all the nostalgia back. <laughs> yes. It's wonderful to hear it. Who doesn't love old ladies like that? <laughs> and she was also like a little bit inappropriate. Yeah. Which is yeah, great. Just sure. like Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did a lot of inappropriate. <laughs> Rosa, let's go to your next piece. Yeah, so my next piece, it, it might come a little bit out of left field because when I was watching it, I was just thinking about this movie and it's actually my favorite Martin Scorsese film. It's 2011's Hugo. Um, I I was able, I was just thinking about like historically speaking, um, like aesthetically, it was very uh, reminiscent of what we were watching here. And granted, different location, London and Paris, 20 years um, prior, uh, Hugo takes place, but it, it does involve movies. Granted, not the... Um, an exploration of the dynamics of filmmaking in terms of directors, screenwriters, and so on. But it, it does involve filmmaking and the beginning yeah. of, of cinema and how that has evolved and just recollecting all these movies, the, the first movies ever made and how it's all evolved to literally just sitting here and, and talking about the, uh, what we're talking about right now. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Hugo 2011, it, it was, a uh, and I, again, I went back home and watched it and it was so beautiful to just. So good. Watch. I yeah. love Hugo and I am looking forward to using it as a puzzle piece on empire of light and on the fable Mims later this year. No, um, yeah. <laughs> definitely looking forward to my rewatch. I haven't watched it in a few years, but, uh, yeah, great piece. I hadn't thought of that at all, but yeah. I mean, when, when you're talking about, uh, that, like that love of 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 whether it's storytelling in right. general you know and and where that can take you and then just kind of playing with it just mm -hmm. playing with the form like this we said it's it's a step away from spoof but it is like kind of a little slapsticky it's kind of playing with it and uh yeah i think that's a great one hugo's awesome you guys big hugo gorgeous. fans over there no never watched it. you never seen hugo no i recommend Not you guys watch in it. my mind i can't even think like what like it's animated, right? No, no. It's, it's, it's a shoot. It's what a kid. It's a clock tower. The, the, like yeah. it's very, it's very inspired Wait, it's by. A, it's a live action movie. It's live action. Scorsese's love HBO of Max. movies, basically. I think it's so shiny and glossy that sometimes you could confuse okay. it for being. Yeah, animated, yeah, but... I can see that. Oh, I'm yeah. thinking of the Steven Spielberg with the tin, Rin tin. Okay, <laughs> that one. 
I don't well, know why that that seems uh, like Hugo to me. Scorsese probably loves that movie. Yeah, probably. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I would I think so. <laughs> I've actually never seen that movie. Um, Rahul, me neither. Let's your next one. <laughs> sure. Uh, my next one. Listen, I'm surprised nobody has said it because it's so blatantly obvious. Mm. And that is Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Ooh. As I'm watching. First, 100% serious. Okay. As I'm watching this movie, I am completely enamored, first off, by our female lead, who is out of her element, so out of touch with the world around her, so <laughs> out of touch with other characters. She, she doesn't read people properly. She jumps to like conclusions because she is, she's just not aware of this world that she has been thrust into. Um, she is unaware of how funny she is. And she is so funny. Yeah. She is adorable. And she makes the entire movie. Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan steals the show in this film yeah she is so endearing so funny and her comedic timing much like dora's is on point she is fantastic i was completely drawn by her this entire film as i watched was in dora one of the best films of 2019 and i stand by that if you haven't seen it dora and the loss it's so good I love that Dora movie. I thought it was it's so much so fun. Good. I'm yeah. with you. I'm absolutely yeah. with you. And yeah, Shersha Ronan, I mean, we never get to see her do stuff like this, mm -hmm. you know, and she just absolutely kills it. She's so funny in it and like just effortless at, at being like, yeah, like she's just out of her element the entire time and never gets a chance to really kind of like catch up to anything that's going on. But she's just so great at doing that. It's like it's it's a perfect comedic uh, performance. Yeah. And it's also one of those things that like much like Dora. The audience loves her, but the characters in the world are like kind of annoyed by her. Yeah, sure. Because they're just like, I don't understand how you exist in this world that we, the rest of us, exist in. How are we in the same universe? And that's how she feels in this. And I, yeah, I love it. I, I love that as a piece. I was, I was kind of, for that idea of the Shersha Ronan character, I was kind of thinking more in lines of like buddy cop. Or something like that, where yeah. like they get stuck, you know, you know, uh, mm -hmm. training them on the job or whatever. But uh, let's go with Dora instead because I mean that movie rocks. It's a good pick. Good pick. <laughs> it is a good movie. I agree. Colby, what do you got next? Oh man, I got Scream. So yeah. it's funny yeah. when you were eventually like uh, <laughs> New Nightmare because like Scream, yeah. while it's a it's a genre departure with regard to like this being like a murder mystery versus like a horror, but Scream was something that was commenting on the genre it was actually like really necessary to kind of spice things up with horror because it kind of got stale um like i said you had west craven they like you know kind of spin things around even though he sure. played such this amazing part of like what made it like nightmare on elm street is one of my favorite horror movies of all time and he had a heavy end just like agatha christie in this instance where she breathes life into a stage play and then essentially from the stage play is minding that this needs to be spun off into a film and like she does give permission to be able to do that she has like these certain things that want to be met. And interesting enough, it's, um, you have a central protagonist that is laying out in, um, with regards to uh, Jamie Kennedy. There we go. There you Whoa! go. Gosh, God. Uh, <laughs> Jamie Kennedy, you know, just kind of like being like our Sherpa and guide. It's the same that you have with like Adrian Brody's character, except Jamie Kennedy doesn't die. Mm. Correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we think, right? In this instance. Yeah. Um, but it's just a lot of fun and it's a big ensemble. Uh, piece that like mine so much like it was able to be dramatic when it needed to be to still be able to keep up the scares while at the same time giving you the fun to be able to disarm you so that way the, the horrors work um and 
the best part about it was the reveal in the end, where it's really they're putting they're hoping that you stay that you believed in everything to sell this interweaving connected story. Mm -hmm. Because what's being asked of us in this film is, do you believe Dennis? That, sure. the, that the guy who's responsible for it sure. all, like, does it make sense to you? And like, it actually does. Yeah. Like, essentially, his story was co-opted, and he tried to find a way to be able to like deal with it. It's the same thing with Cotton Weary, right? Yeah. Where essentially, it's like he could not escape the fact that not only like you know was this uh, thing that happened to him, it didn't really kind of happen and stuff like that, but he couldn't get away from it. So that's why in the sequel, was like, no, now I actually have to be able to like you know be the guy. So yeah. it was sorry, spoiler. So sorry for screen two. The worst one. The worst one. I will say this if I could come. I love your pick of A New Nightmare and Scream. Great horror films. Great murder mysteries, right? But I feel like one of the big differences between this one and that one, where you're talking about Dennis, and do we believe Dennis? Do we believe in his motive? I believe in his motive. I believe that. But the difference between your two picks and this is that the killers in those movies are central characters to the film. Whereas like mm -hmm. in this one, Dennis is like a side player at best. Mm. And then at the end, I'm just like, oh, it was Dennis. <laughs> the whole movie, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm just like, it's gotta be one of these main characters. It's gotta be one of them. And then it's like, it's Dennis. <laughs> the guy that has like six lines all movie. Interestingly, uh, though, I, I didn't notice this the first time I watched it, but I, I'm pretty sure he's the first character Adrian Brody's voiceover introduces. Like, you know, it could be this schmuck or whatever. And like, we're, we're, we're off and running at that yeah. point, you know? So now at that point, it's all misdirection to get you to the not think really about it clever, anymore. And I think, it, I think it's, it's very successful. And um, at just like being smart while at the same time allowing to take some like narrative liberties. Like there's some things that, like the screenwriter and he's like, yo, we got this guy just like, and it's so funny because like, of course, this podcast called Piece of the Other and you have a protagonist making, making puzzle pieces and yeah. they don't do anything yeah. with it. <laughs> I, I, I like that. Like, I like that. Yes. <laughs> I was like, it's such an odd thing. Like, I'm going to drink and make puzzles. <laughs> I thought of it as like the, he's like, oh, you know, they have to have like a defect. I thought it was just like a flaw. Like it's just like, he just has this weird hobby. <laughs> Fun fact, this detective is a real human being that has weird hobbies. That's how I saw it. Are you saying that people that like to do puzzles are weird? Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying. I'm just saying this. I'm saying that jigsaws, blanks, are not puzzles. That's what I'm saying. Fair enough. It's broken pictures. The other just, side piece. You just put together. Go with saw and jigsaw. There we go. Well, I'll go to my second piece. My last piece. Um, I. A lot of people have joked about. Uh, this is Wes Anderson does a whodunit. Um, and I'm going to go Grand Budapest Hotel, yeah. although yeah. you could go yeah. with a yeah. lot of different yeah. Wes totally. Anderson films. Like all the characters are so quirky. Mm -hmm. There's so much to the staging and the sets that make them feel almost like little dioramas the same way that uh, Wes Anderson would do. And of course, this is set mostly on sets, so it, yeah. it totally makes sense and fits. But then you get in the split screens and the, the little camera tricks and back to the quirky characters, everybody having their, their little bits and pieces. Even the trailer for this movie, like it was the first thing I thought of when I saw the trailer for this movie, the way they would, uh, they got that quirky music going and they're quick cutting from actor to actor, you know, looking directly into the camera. It's just like a Wes Anderson trailer. Yeah. I feel like the movie was sold in that way. Uh, this director, it's his first movie, uh, Tom George, uh, he's oh. done some TV, but I, I have to imagine that he probably is a big Wes Anderson fan. Okay. So you can, yeah. you can see that major influence. And I think it's cool. Like it, it's, 
it's nice to be able to, I mean, I can't wait to be able to get like my first, like, you know, directorial debut feature credit, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and have it be something like this. Um, but it's fun. Like, I think the direction was slick. Like, it's purposely trying to incorporate the tropes of the genre, but still do enough to be able to stand on its own. And like, the fact you could weave in the comedy with the direction as well as the editing. Yeah. Like, say, oh, what are you going to do next? Talk, put on a screen three weeks later? Yeah. Three weeks yeah. later. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, that's like, it's yeah. cute and it works. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's a great puzzle piece too. I think a lot of the cinematography in this reminds me of Grand Budapest Hotel yeah. specifically. Yeah. Um, a lot of the shots, like a lot of the panning shots and we get to see it reminds me a lot of Budapest Hotel. Yeah. Even the score had a lot of cues that uh, kind of reminded me of that as well. And so, yeah, there's just uh, a lot of layers to that. Yeah. So I know we said we're going to uh, just do two pieces each. I have one extra piece I was going to throw in here. Um, listeners of the show know my favorite movie is Adaptation. and. Uh, Charlie Kaufman, the character uh, in Adaptation, really doesn't want his movie to turn into a big Hollywood ending. And sure enough, it basically does. All the action and the sex and the drugs and the drama all come in, all the stuff that he didn't want to happen. And our uh, writer, played by David Oyelowo, does not want basically Adrian Brody's uh, vision of the story to play out. And that's literally like shot for shot exactly how it all plays out by the end so i had to include adaptation in my list here sure how could you not your favorite movie makes sense there you go so (laughs) that is our puzzle pieces for the movie rosa do you have any uh closing thoughts anything we didn't quite get to while we were talking puzzle pieces i don't know i also thought about i don't know why probably singing in the rain for some reason um i'm sure because of the movie the film industry and Focusing on that, granted, it's it's more focused on uh, the transition from the silent movies to the talkies and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But yeah, I was also thinking about that, and I was like, eh. but no. Um, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, I, 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 I did have a good time. I was generally surprised by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally surprised yeah. and delighted Absolutely. by it. Right on, Raul. How about you? Any uh, closing thoughts? Anything you wanted to uh, throw in there? Sure. Quick ones, like. Uh, the bar scene. I don't know how you can't think of The Shining. Yeah, sure. Like, yeah. It's. I was just like, oh yeah, this is The Shining. Um, and then the without whole pants on, <laughs> without pants on. Yeah. And then the whole element of like revealing to us the ending earlier. I'm sure many other films do this, but it made me think of a stand-up special, Hannah Gadsby special, Douglas, hmm. which yeah. she literally spends 30 minutes telling us exactly what's going to happen this entire show, and then she follows it to the T and it is still hilarious and the ending is still hilarious when the camera pans and you see the butler it's still hilarious yeah so. it's a balancing act to be able to like show your cards and then make it still work and, and he, he yeah. died not that long before the, the film ends and yeah. I still forgot that this is like it's not until the camera's passing everybody I'm just like what is happening oh, okay and it's still hilarious and it was great so. yeah right on Colby any closing thoughts yeah this movie like once again I, I I keep saying I got to get to my letterbox and I don't know when I'm going to get to it so I can like actually nail down where this is going to fit at. But like it's in my top 10 and it's 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 in a competition with like 20 something other films. But it's been a good year. And I like the fact that movies, movies are always for me a great escape. And this is something that feels so separate from our everyday world to just kind of have fun with. You don't necessarily have to take too seriously. And there are some serious elements with inside the narrative to be able to like sit on. Um, and it, it's a great movie to be able to like anybody who has not got a chance to watch the film, go watch it. It's a lot of fun. We mm-hmm. need more movies like this. Um, it, it, you know, it's um, 
yeah, it's just a good time. And yeah. honestly, like one, it's got Ruth Wilson in it. And the fact that like, I, if I was going to go in the TV route of another piece, it would be Luther. Um, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that London series starring Idris Elba, where essentially you have, spoiler alert, uh, you got Ruth Wilson, who is the bad guy. And we find out <laughs> halfway through the series that she is, but it's how our, our DCI Luther contends with the fact that like he's in love with this bad guy mm. um so it's really cool and if anybody gets a chance watch luther there's it's a mini series they come out like two and a half years apart they're hoping how to turn it into a movie and yeah so it's a lot of fun watch it listen to this podcast and uh yeah right on well uh my only thoughts that i wanted to like kind of just throw out there and you were kind of just touching on it there about we need more movies like this um, these are exactly the kind of movies I feel like we're all always saying we need like these, these studio comedies or, or adult movies, like movies that we just don't see anymore between whether it's superhero movies, horror movies, like the things that kind of just dominate theaters right now and streaming. And like I said, confess Fletch last week, that mm-hmm. movie is great and fits purely in this mold as well. Um, these are them so people should see them because that's what we all like say that we want all the time and uh so yeah i I think this is a perfect example of that um only other like little mini piece i was going to throw in there i I had mentioned about buddy cops i was thinking of the other guys as as another movie that kind of just plays with knowing the genre so Mm -hmm. well and just playing with your expectations of that and so uh, but also being a good example of Mm -hmm. that genre so uh, yeah, that, that's the uh, only other extra one I had there. So, yeah, that does it for See How They Run. Uh, Rosa, tell people about the podcast and what you got going on. Oh, yes. Um, I You can find, I don't know, find me on uh, any social media platform at Rosa's Reviews. And, yeah, you can also follow the podcast, Latinx Lens, on every social media platform, every podcasting platform, or you can just visit our website, latinxlens.com. Awesome. Raul, tell people where they can find you. Yeah. Uh, you can find us at, uh, well, me at the Raul Nevado on Twitter and Instagram. And the podcast is Minorities Report Film. And reportpod.com is a website. And our handles are mreportpod at mreport. Colby, where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, you can follow your boy on Twitter and IG at Colby Told Me. That's K O L B Y T O L D Me. When they ask you where you heard it from, you can tell them Colby told me. And he's also at Minority Report. Correct. And that too. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I always end these things asking for a recommendation of something you watched recently. Uh, Rosa, is there something you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners and the people here? Oh, my God. Um, have, have they ever done like a recommend not to watch something? I just. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Go for it. If that's what you want to do, not just, to just hate on something right now. Um, no, not hate on it, but probably not recommended as much actually you know what no yes i have something to recommend it's getting a lot of hate so i'm gonna be here to support it i actually watched don't worry darling okay. um and i had a good time with it surprisingly and I, I think it's getting a lot of unnecessary hate so yeah go go check out don't worry darling because i did have a good time with it um yeah i watch morbius and i think that's where i was heading to with uh, <laughs> don't worry, seek it. <laughs> yeah don't worry darling i'm looking forward to watching it this weekend actually that was we were between that and this movie for mm. tonight's podcast so those oh. were going to be the two options but i went with this so uh mm. yeah i'm looking forward to seeing it so great mm. recommendation uh Raul, is there something you watch recently listen the best movie of the year for me is still Cha Cha Real Smooth. Okay. On Apple TV Plus. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. 
and then also getting a lot of hate unnecessarily, mainly because people don't like to see great representation on TV. And that is The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. It's a great show. Uh, beautiful, great performances, really well written, and it is exceptional. And Amazon has spent so much money on this show, and I want them to keep making it. Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power on Amazon. Watch it. Absolutely. Love if you it. want to keep riding the representation train, you should watch the number one movie in America right now, The Woman King, starring Oof. Viola Davis, really uh, Thusu oh Mbedu, uh, you know, uh, Shana Lynch. Yeah, Lashana Lynch. Um, it is a fantastic movie. Like when anyone says, I go Jay, you say, Husu, and just be filled with pride. It's, it's, a, it's a fun film. It's, it's, it is a great and powerful story um, that I'm glad is being told and just put some dynamic and powerful women on the screen. And yeah, it's one of the 20 something films in my top 10. It's in my top. 10. Some people call that top 30. Nah, <laughs> top 10 sounds bad. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, top yeah. 30 of the top 10. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to see The Woman King on Sunday. I can't wait. I'm so looking forward to it. So, it's a pack. Uh, it's packed on Sunday. It's going to be busy. I'm going to rewatch. Uh, we're doing a, a retrospective on James Cameron. So we're watching oh, yeah. Adobe oh. 3D. Yeah. Of, uh, Avatar. 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 So, uh, yeah. So oh, yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for yeah. doing this. Everybody, please check out their podcast as well. And uh, thank you uh, to the Look, Dine, and Cinema for having us. Thank you to Cinema Week for putting this together. And thank you to all you for sticking around and uh, listening to us talk about the movie. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harrison. We co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best picture, and some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984, and we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about See How They Run. Again, thank you to the Look, Dine, and Cinema. Thank you to Cinema Week, which, by the way, is coming up on October 7th through 13th. So make sure to go out to the theater and take part in everything they've got going on. And thank you to my guests, Rosa Parra, Raul Nevado, and Colby Mack. I always look forward to getting these people on my show, and hopefully we'll get them back on again sometime soon. Make sure you check out their podcast as well, Latinx Lens and Minorities Report. Great shows. Uh, lots of great content to go check out. So uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, of course, make sure you're subscribed. If you really enjoyed the podcast, maybe drop us a five-star rating. We'd really appreciate that over on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, wherever it is you're listening and wherever it is you're subscribed. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And last but not least, don't forget we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together. We currently have uh, episodes on Bullet Train, 3,000 Years of Longing, uh, a couple other advanced episodes over there to check out. There's also uh, exclusive content from Awesome Movie Year, another movie podcast I produce, and from my music career. I'm actually finishing up a new album right now, and so uh, I post sneak peeks of the album, and uh, I will actually have 
have like a whole album that will be exclusive to the Patreon coming out later this year. So it might be early into next year, but lots of stuff on the way. So check it out. It's patreon.com slash by David Rosen, the produced by David Rosen Patreon. If you want to support the show that way, I appreciate it. So that does it for today's episode. Let's close this out with a piece of music, as I always do. And you know what? Uh, why not? Let's play a track from the new album. Let's preview the new album. This has never been heard before. Uh, it's a song off my new album coming out at the end of this year called More Content. And this song is called Trapped in the Beat. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, this album, I've been spending all my time that I'm not spending on the podcast. I'm spending on the album. I'm always doing something, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's just nonstop work. But uh, this album's coming out so good. I'm so excited to share it with everybody. So this is a song off that album. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.